Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The, because this is Thriller, Thriller Night. Edition is the Bengals survived their first round playoff matchup against Baltimore, winning 24 to 17 on what will go down as one of the most memorable plays in franchise history. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, one-on-one locker room interviews and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Then in this week's Fun Facts segment, I'll talk to team president Mike Brown about Zach Taylor's leadership, his first ever meeting with Joe Burrow, and swapping books with Ted Karras. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since a Biscoff cookie dipped in coffee. If you've been on an airplane in the last 20 years or so, chances are you've had a Biscoff cookie. It's that small, rectangular, crunchy cookie that's served up by flight attendants as a free snack. Now, here's where I stand on the Biscoff. If you just eat it out of the package, it's nothing special. But if you dip it in coffee, it becomes magnificent. I've only recently learned that the word Biscoff is a combination of biscuit and coffee. So, if you haven't tried it already, the next time you're on an early morning flight, try the Biscoff dipped in coffee. Trust me, it's vastly superior to stale pretzels. Now, let's get to the highlights of a Sunday night thriller in the jungle. This will be a 39-yard field goal attempt from the left hash for Evan McPherson out of the hold of Drew Chrisman. Cal Adamite is ready to snap it back. McPherson is set. The snap, the placement, the right-footed kick, a high-spinning end-over-end kick right down the middle. Evan McPherson picks up where he left off in the playoffs last year when he was a perfect 14 for 14. The Bengals take more than six and a half minutes off the clock and take an early 3-0 lead. Huntley in the gun. Hill to his right. Four down linemen for Cincinnati. Hill goes in motion out to the right. Huntley throws into traffic. Intercepted. Logan Wilson on his feet. Running it back. Make that Akeem Davis Gaither with the pick. And he gets tackled at the 45-yard line of Baltimore. How about that? Burrow in the gun. Mixon back on the field. Burrow extends the hands. He has the ball. Drops back from the 14. Throws. Caught by Chase. Touchdown! Bengals! He caught it at the one. Spun around and charged into the end zone for the Bengals. First touchdown of the night. And I'll tell you, the Bengals are saying, Jamar Chase, instead of working on the edges, we're going to put you between the hash marks and the numbers. You're going to do damage in the middle of the football field. You're too big and strong for the Baltimore Ravens. Third and goal from the two. Huntley to throw. Swings Boom. it out to the right. Dobbins extending oh. the ball. And he gets the edge over the goal line for a Baltimore touchdown. Man, that was a good play by him just to get that ball extended before his knee hit the ground. Three receivers right, two to the left. Shotgun snap to Joe Burrow. It's a four-man rush. Deep drop. Oh. Burrow scrambling to the right. His throw caught by Hurst. Running to the 40. 45. Uh-oh, ball. ball comes out. Ball. The Ravens have started celebrating. They think they have it at the Cincinnati 44-yard line. 22 yards from the right hash. His kick is on the way, and it is good to give the Ravens 
a one-point lead with seven seconds left in the half. So the Ravens are going to stack the defense right over the ball to try to take away the quarterback sneak. Joe Burrow with five touchdown runs this year, including one against Baltimore. He tries the quarterback sneak. He gets pushed ah. from behind. There's a penalty flag down. It is a touchdown for Burrow. We'll see if it stands. Let's see if the Ravens crowded the line of scrimmage too much and lined up offsides. Because the flag came up after the snap of the ball. If, if it was a movement on the offense, it would have blown it dead. Offside. Yeah. Defense. Bring up in the neutral zone. Is the climb. Result of the play is a touchdown. It's a one-yard touchdown for Joe Burrow, and the Bengals have the lead with 5.02 left here in the third quarter. The ball is on the left hash. A lot of room to roll to the right for Burrow if he wanted to try that. P. Ryan in the backfield. Wilcox goes in motion. Burrow drops back to throw. Now he rolls right. Gestures toward the end zone. Burrow throws. Oh. Caught by T. Higgins. He ran away from Marcus Peters. And he makes the catch for the two-point conversion. Second down and 10 at the Cincinnati 41. Dobbins back in at running back. Two receivers to each side of the formation. Single high safety as Huntley pump fakes. Now he'll throw it deep oh, wow. to Marcus Robinson. Wide open. He makes the catch and runs it into the end zone. Wow. Boy, that time Eli Apple and Jesse Bates, I, somebody blew the coverage, obviously. I mean, it was a double move down the football field all by his lonesome. Third down and goal from the one. Huntley no. sticks the ball out. The yeah. Bengals have Go the ball. Baby. They are running it back. <laughs> Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens 40. Nice. The 30. Nice. The 20. Yeah. The 10. The Woo. 5. Touchdown. About it. Bengals. Woo. Tyler Huntley tried to extend the ball over the goal line. It got poked away. Sam Hubbard scooped it up and ran the length of the field for a go-ahead Bengals touchdown. He tried to pull a Trevor Lawrence, and the Bengals said no. They slapped it out of there. Logan they Wilson punched the ball out of the hands of Tyler Huntley. And right into the hands of Sam Hubbard. And boy, Logan Wilson, others, everybody was swatting it at, at that football, and Sam Hubbard says, I'll take it to the house. Huntley surveys the defense. Two deep safeties for the Bengals. Huntley from Finish. the pocket. Yeah. Sacked. Brought down at the 39-yard line by B.J. Hill. Big time. And I'll tell you, Logan Wilson was involved again. Logan Wilson's having a hell of a second half. Huntley in the gun. Justice Hill in the backfield with him. Eight seconds to go. The Bengals up by seven. Shotgun snap. Huntley back to throw. Hendrickson rushing. He floats it toward the end Knock zone. Down. Into a crowd. Batted down. Incomplete. Yeah. The clock hits Over. zero. Over. And the Bengals are heading to Buffalo. Unbelievable. You know, you know these division battles are going to come down to the last play, and that's exactly what happened. Came down to the final snap. Unbelievable football game. Again, a defensive score wins the game. James Prochet had a shot yeah. at that tip ball in the end zone, but it hit the turf, and that is Coffin Nails. Bam, bam, bam. On to Buffalo, and boy, you talk about a game that's going to have a bunch of storylines. Man, a Shevitz. Bengals and Buffalo Bills, after what happened here in Cincinnati on Monday night, 
goodness gracious, the whole world will be watching that one. There are Cincinnati sports fans who proudly say, I was there the night Tom Browning threw his perfect game, or the night Pete Rose broke Ty Cobb's record, or I survived the freezer bowl. Well, in this case, more than 66,000 people can say, I was there the night Hubbard took it to the house. His 98-yard touchdown is the longest fumble recovery score in NFL playoff history. And he spoke to Dave Lapham after the game. Sam, congratulations. History, 98-yard fumble return, touchdown, longest in NFL history. And you do it in a playoff game on national television. You're, you're an international celebrity. <laughs> right place, right time. That's really all it was. Uh, Logan Wilson making a hell of a play. The ball fell right in my lap. That's all it was. You know, going back even before that, Jesse, to hustle and make the tackle to the two-yard line instead of saying, you know, oh, geez, you know, it's a touchdown. Just never giving up on a play, and then you guys never giving up on the goal line sequence. That just defines this football team, doesn't it? Yeah, you put it in a nutshell, you know. That's our mentality across the front, the back end, uh, linebackers. That's why I love going to war with these guys. Everybody just has that mentality that we're going to scratch, claw, and do whatever we can, never give up a yard, anything free. And, uh, you know, you can, you can go pretty far with a couple guys like that. Last year in the, in the three-game playoff winning streak, you guys had a turnover to finish, to close out the football game every single game. And then yours wins the football game in the fourth quarter. Six straight games now, you guys have had a defensive takeaway in the fourth quarter that were instrumental in winning football games. What's, what's the reason for that, do you think? Uh, I think we got a lot of, you know, amazing players on offense, but as a defense, we, we consider ourselves the heart and soul of this team. And, you know, whenever we're in a bind, we put it on us to make a play. And, uh, you know, whoever it is, Von Bell, Jesse, Logan, O-line, D-line, or D-line um, you know, that's on us. And we call ourselves the cleanup crew for a reason. Any fire that's on the field, we put it out, and we don't bat an eye. Have you been a part of a smarter football team? You guys do so much defensively and so many positionless players that can do so many things. Have you ever been associated with a smarter group uh, defensively? No, it was a big challenge for us to play the Ravens back-to-back. You know, they do so much schematically. That's schematically to give us uh, problems, and we are problem-solving on the field, um, talking to our coaches, working together. Uh, you know, that's chemistry from just a million reps together. Well, I know my grandson Cam, he loves you. He went to your football camp, and I know he was probably in bed at this time. But he is going to go nuts when he sees the highlight of his hero, Sam Hubbard. Too, I haven't even seen it. It's unbelievable. I'm telling. You. I think you were running probably a four-five easy. Yeah, well, they knocked me for that four-nine at the combine, but I guess it doesn't matter now. It sure does, and congratulations, man. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds, designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. The thrilling win over Baltimore came with a cost, as Cincinnati lost left tackle Jonah Williams due to a left knee injury late in the second quarter. No word on the severity yet, but 22-year-old Jackson Carmen finished the game in his place. Last week, right guard Alex Kappa went down, and two weeks before that, it was right tackle Lael Collins. 
The only starters left on the offensive line right now are rookie Cordell Volson and center Ted Karras. I talked to Ted after the game. That's playoff football. Things are never easy, and you guys managed to do what you had to do to move on. Yes, we did. And, you know, that's a great defense. That's a great team. You know, we had to play. We had to beat a good team twice in a row, and that's hard to do. So a lot of guys stepped up. A lot of guys played really well, good enough to win. I'd love to put it out a little bit earlier on offense, but our defense has been making plays like that for us all year. So when it counted the most, they came through. Since the 15th game of the year, you've lost three-fifths of the starting offensive line but haven't lost a game. Talk about what the, the other guys have done and how you guys have managed to pull it out. Well, shout-out to Max Sharping. His first start as a Bengal, played great. Akeem is playing amazing. And Jackson Carmen had to come in and, and spot us at left tackle and did a fantastic job. I think it's a testament to how hard the guys work and pay attention in our room and our unit, uh, the way that Frank and Derek Frazier uh, develop guys, and uh, you know how everyone is bought in and, and willing to go as hard as they can for the cause, and our cause is winning. Were you watching the Sam Hubbard run back, or were you, you know, meeting with a fellow offensive lineman and getting ready for the next series? We were getting ready. We were talking about a specific look. I looked up when Sam was at our own 10. What a fantastic play. Probably one of the best plays in franchise history. So unbelievable. What a what a night. Get to go to Highmark Stadium here in a week. Play the Buffalo Bills. Excited. What did you think of the atmosphere here tonight? Electric. Unbelievable. The fans here, I'm so glad we could deliver them a win. They've been such an advantage all season. And looking forward to potentially another game here. But if not, uh, what, a, what a fantastic season at Paycor. We might have to be road dogs to make it all the way. At least for one week you will. Congratulations on the win. Thank you so much. Yes, it is possible that the Bengals could have one more home game. If they win at Buffalo next week and Jacksonville upsets Kansas City, the Bengals would host the Jags in the AFC Championship game. With their battered offensive line, it was tough to move the ball against the Ravens' outstanding defense. Joe Burrow finished with 209 passing yards, including 84 on nine catches for Jamar Chase. But the Bengals really struggled to run the ball, finishing with 51 yards on 18 carries. That's 2.8 yards per attempt. I caught up with Joe Mixon. Second straight year with a playoff win that had never done before in this franchise's history. How's it feel tonight? Feel great, man. You got to always enjoy the uh, dubs, especially uh, playoff ones. It's hard to come by, you know, it's hard to, to win in this league, especially let alone in the playoffs. But I thought our crowd did a hell of a job showing up and showing out, supporting us, and uh, our whole team delivering the best way we can. So it's a blessing, and uh, on to the next round we go. Was your heart jumping out of your chest as Sam Hubbard started running down the field? No, I was just like, go, go, go. But, I mean, I mean hey, you can take them how you get them. Anybody would take them how they get it. So, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a great feeling to, for Sam, and I'm happy for him. And we just got to keep on pushing through. We got a big one next week. They only get bigger. So we just got to keep on keeping on. The offensive line has lost three of its five starters since week 15, but you guys haven't lost a game. 
What do you think of the job that those guys are doing under tough circumstances? Yeah, man, um, the best thing, like I keep saying, the best thing we have is depth. I mean, I hate to say it, but at the same time, like, um, you know, people that's been getting in, they've been delivering in a big way, man. So everybody got their work cut out. Everybody got to uh, do what they can to study film or be able to gel together. But um, we just got to keep on doing our thing. But it's going to be tough, but we just got to keep on. That's it. You guys are heading to Buffalo next week. Does it kind of feel like you got you, these two teams were meant to play in the postseason? Uh, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, we knew at some point we was going to have to play, you know, some team that was tough. And they're a tough-ass team, and so was the Ravens. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, we're going we gonna to enjoy this one tonight, and uh, tomorrow we're going to get on the Buffalo, but I'm going to enjoy this one tonight for sure. Congrats on the win. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. With four postseason wins in the last two years, Zach Taylor now has the most playoff wins of any coach in Bengals history. Sam Weich had three. Coach Taylor spent a few minutes with Dave Lapham after the game. We'll take it, you know, and, and uh, these, these playoff games are never easy. It's always a worthy opponent. Uh, you blend in the AFC North with a playoff game, and, and you're going to get a pretty ugly, messy game at times, but our guys figured out a way to get it done. Man, when Sam Hubbard, first of all, three things. Jesse hustles his tail off and makes the tackle at the two-yard line. That's a 14-point tackle. Keeps them out of the end zone and ultimately gives you a defensive score for the second week in a row. Logan Wilson, football aware. Sam Hubbard, football aware. What was going through your mind when Sam was hucking and bucking down the field? Just go, you know, get someone blocked for him because I could see, I think it was Mark Andrews, you know, was, was closing ground pretty good. Um, but, but Sam found a way to make one of the biggest plays in Cincinnati Bengals history. You know, in a home playoff game like that, the hometown kid, that's a special way to do it. It really is. 98-yard fumble return touchdown, longest in NFL history. He'll be an icon and a legend forever. Um, about two weeks in a row, your defense scores touchdowns. Hadn't happened for them all year. But the one thing about them, they never quit on a play. I mean, they, these guys just stay after it no matter what. It, 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 it may seem like, ah, oh, boy, that, forget that. It doesn't have, they just never quit on it. No, they never quit. You know, and that's, that's what's made this defense so special. Um, the second half defense this year, I think it's a perfect example of happening in the playoffs. It's been happening all year, and so um, this is no different. They were ready for the stage, and they, they made some big plays when we needed it. The Baltimore Raven defense is no joke. I mean, that's a, this, you can go through every defense statistic, and they're in the top five in a ton of them, top three in a ton of them. What were they doing today? Were, were they making adjustments? Were they just executing well? Was it a combination? It, it's a, you know, that's a challenge. They're not going to give up explosive plays. They try to do enough to, to keep everything underneath. Our guys made made enough plays to get us the points on the board. Um, you know, late in the game, we, we had a sack and a hold and, and some things that put us put us back a little bit. But um, our guys kept fighting. You called it. You said it's going to be one of those games we're going to get very few possessions. I mean, no, neither team is going to have, you know, uh, multiple possessions during the course of the football game. And, it unfolded pretty much exactly the way you anticipated, didn't it? It does. You know, every time you play them, you already know what the script's going to be. And you got to win the turnover battle. And we won it 2-1. to one, And so you win by one possession. And there, there's no secret sauce to this. That's just the way it goes. So what about, uh, I know it's obviously early and uh, probably unfair to ask, but 
from an injury standpoint, how severe do you think it is to Jonah? Hard to tell. You know, I, I really don't know yet. Um, so we'll just have to, to see where it's at tomorrow. Football can be cruel. I mean, you go through a good part of the season, your entire offensive line plays every snap together, then bam, 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 three of them. And, uh, I mean, it's a tribute to Frank and getting everybody else ready and, and those guys stepping up and, and doing the best they possibly can. Yeah, that's just the way it goes, you know. And so the, the, we got to have these guys ready at all times. And they're going to be called upon to, to play against some good players and some good defenses, and um, that's why they're here. So final question, and appreciate you giving us uh, this opportunity. You're going to, Bal- uh, to Buffalo, beat Baltimore going to Buffalo. Obviously, I mean, it wasn't that long ago where it was trauma for everybody, and the way you handled yourself again was just extraordinary. What goes through your mind as you start to think about preparing for the Buffalo Bills in this playoff game? Well, um, you know, it felt like we, we started to play them, obviously, and, and uh, there's a lot of things, obviously, we were prepared for. It, it'll be interesting. We've never been in a situation like that where you only play half a quarter, and then you got to watch these last two games they played and see what adjustments you got to make. Um, but it's it's a very worthy opponent. You know they've had a great year. They're well coached. They got great players. We got a lot of respect for them, um, and we know it's going to be a battle when we go up there. And I guess I lied. One last question. I mean the crowd tonight was phenomenal again. I mean it was extraordinary, and to have that advantage, that 12th, 13th, 14th man or whatever at home. Now you have to go to Buffalo where you know you got the mafia up there. It's going to be crazy, and you got. You know, some young offensive linemen, some inexperienced offensive linemen dealing with crowd noise and all that. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I mean, these are these are major challenges, aren't they? Yeah, we'll have to make do. And but we do appreciate our fans. You know, they, they really turned out tonight. We're glad that we were able to get another playoff win in front of them, just like we did against the Raiders two years in a row. Um, you know, they, they were a big part of, of why we were able to play the way we played today. I'm glad they get to celebrate this tonight. And then uh, maybe some of them can make the trip up to Buffalo for us. So it's on to Buffalo where the Bengals are an early four-point underdog. That game will be played next Sunday afternoon at 3. Now, time for the Radio Guys recap. Lap, we witnessed one of the great defensive plays in franchise history. Hubbard to the house, 98 yards on a fumble recovery essentially to win the game. I'm still amazed by how this game turned on one play. It is It is on in. Inco- almost incomprehensible really when you think about it and um it it does though there there was a sequence jesse bates had a 14 point tackle i mean he he tracks down at the two yard line and instead of allowing it to go in and score he he makes a play uh and then you know that set up the goal line stand and set up the the possibility for logan wilson to to uh, make the play that he made um you know you got to trying to uh do a, capture his inner uh, Lawrence and up and over and, and stretch the football and he just smacks it out of there and then off to the races goes Sam Hubbard 98 yards NFL record I mean he's an icon forever I mean he is a legend a Cincinnati legend local boy Moeller High School Ohio State Cincinnati Bengals couldn't happen to a, a better human being and uh you know a better representative of Cincinnati the city of Cincinnati and the organization of the Cincinnati Bengals if you had to pick a guy to say, who would you like to be on the placard on the wall for the you know the greatest, the most memorable play in playoff history? It'd be that dude, you know. And um, he was saying he was kidding about, yeah, you know that four nine forty I ran at the combine. He goes, I said, Sam, you looked like you were going about a four five there, man. And uh, he was a little worried about Andrews, Mark Andrews catching him, and and that was the one that had to be blocked. And and they got, they shielded enough for Sam to 
serpentine and zigzag his way in there to score. So that was that was massive. I mean, it's just as we've seen all all year long with this defense, Dan. They've made plays where never give up on a play. A forty-five yard completion, ripped the ball out of his hands. You know, um, uh, when you had to have a, a a play in the red zone to preserve a victory, strip it out of there at the, in the low red zone. This play in the lowest of low red zone. I mean, it's there's multiple. You know. Game after game, example after example of this defensive football team saying, not going to give up. Yeah, the Patriots game on Christmas sure. Eve. New England's driving in. They get the strip inside the 10-yard line. You go back to the playoffs last year, interceptions on the last defensive play of all three playoff wins. That's what it takes in the postseason. Somebody's got to step up and make a defensive play. <laughs> now, they're usually not punches out at the goal line and 98-yard TDs, but you get the point. Right, and uh, two straight games now. Uh, against Baltimore. I guess it must be something about the Ravens on the helmets or something. They've gotten defensive scores against them when they didn't have them against anybody else, you know, all, all season long. Uh, they won the turnover battle 2-1, to one, but that one of those two was a record. You know, I mean, it was it was a actually game winner in every sense of the word. So you look at it over the last couple of weeks, they won turnover battle by three in the last regular season game, and then they won this one again by one. And in the playoffs, that's you have to. You have to win the turnover battle. If you lose the turnover battle, you are shoveling sand against the tide. You know, it's an uphill battle. There's no question. They've lost the right tackle. They've lost the right guard. Tonight, they lose their left tackle, Jonah Williams. Jackson Carmen has to finish up. They haven't lost any games yet, but, man, the timing is unbelievably unfortunate. It is because now, you know, the crowd was phenomenal. I mean, the, the adrenaline that uh, the, the crowd generated for this football team had to be, you know, if, if you're able to measure it, it might have been a record there too, <laughs> the adrenaline that was pumping through everybody. Um, but now you have to go on the road, and you have to go to Buffalo, and the, the mafia in Buffalo, and, and that crowd noise. And now you have a, an offensive line that 60% of it is, is different. And now the right side has a game under their belt, but it was at home. They haven't experienced the din of working together in a place like Buffalo. So it, it is definitely an uphill swim, <laughs> swimming against the tide uh, a little bit um, because it's going to be very difficult. Buffalo has a great defensive football team. They're, I think, second in points allowed. They're, they're good in the red zone. They're good not giving up points. It's going to be a challenge to, to handle their talent um, coupled with the crowd noise that makes it even more difficult because – when they're at home with the crowd noise, it seems like they're faster, and they are faster because they're getting off. Your only advantage is gone. You know, you can't you can't hear the snap count. You you almost have to look in and move when they move, and usually they're a little quicker, better athletes, and all that sort of thing. So it, it's going to be a it's going to be a monstrous undertaking for Frank Pollock and the and the Bengals offensive line to cobble something together and put together a a game plan. Um, you know, they're going to have to go out there and compete. But Miami, I mean, it was all turnovers. Miami uh, won the turnover battle and um, almost won the game as a result of it. That's what the Bengals are going to have to do. They're going to have to somehow create more possessions for themselves and fewer for Buffalo because Buffalo will probably take advantage of most of them. Were you surprised at all that it was Jackson Carmen getting the call as opposed to Deontay Smith? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the, the deal is with, uh, with Deontay Smith. I mean – I think, I think Deontay. I know. I know he's he's had some asthmatic problems, um, and and he was dealing with some COVID. 
so he was having breathing issues there for a while. And I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's a lingering effect of that or if others just kind of passed him by as a result of him missing, you know, that time. Um, but, you know, Jackson Carmen, he did some good things and had his struggles, as you would imagine, in a, in a game like that. But, man, like I said, going into that environment in Buffalo, that's going to be a, a much, much more interesting dynamic. And I just did see Jonah leaving the locker room on crutches with a brace on that left knee. And I just yelled over to him. I said, you all right? And he shook his head, but didn't look like he was going to be all right for next week's game. I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, guys bounce back and um, – the treatments and all that stuff are incredible today, and these athletes are, are such rare specimens. And um, But to think that he might be able to, to make that dance out there in Buffalo I think would be a stretch. This is the year 3JB, as in Joe Burrow. All the old history doesn't matter anymore, playoff droughts, anything like that. The Bengals have now put together playoff victories in back-to-back seasons for the first time in franchise history. Uh, last year was the first time they had won road playoff games. Now they'll go try to do it again in Buffalo. Yeah, and you, and you look at it, the last two years, 4-1 and one in the playoffs, you know. I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, that's, that's starting, to, starting to make some, some significant noise there. No, no, no two ways about it. So uh, they believe. I mean, there is, a, there is a, a unification in that locker room that is special. I mean, th- th- these guys are they, – they just – they don't think about anything negative. All they think about is the positive outcome, and they truly believe that's the way it's going to be, and they have big belief in number nine. There's no two ways about that. Um, and somebody, it's, it's amazing you think, all right, who's going to make the play? Somebody's going to – I remember when we were on runs and rolls as a football team, you'd look around in the huddle and you'd look at each other like, all right, well, who's the guy? Who's the guy that's going to make the play? Lyman, we wouldn't – but we'd be looking at our skill guys like, which one of these guys is going to do something that will be spectacular? And, um, and then you'd watch your defense out there. Somebody's going to make the play. Who's going to make the play? It's happening every week. Who's going to, be the, who's going to do it this time? And that stuff just – it gets so contagious, it's unbelievable. I would think – that playing somebody other than a division rival is helpful when you're dealing with offensive line issues. At least they don't know what's coming to the same extent as the Ravens do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, I don't think anybody was surprised in how this game unfolded. Everybody knows each other cold, you know, and they muck it up. It's it's like you're not going to get anything easy against this AFC North. I mean, all the division games seem to be that way. I mean, you know, the Bengals lost their first three division games, then won the last three. The Ravens won the first three division games, then lost the last three. And you knew that it was going to be a struggle, a fight, and it was going to come down to a play here or a play there. And that's exactly – I don't think anybody in that locker room, player or coach – surprised that you're going to have to strain and stress as much as you had to to win that football game you ready to go eat some wings next week <laughs> let's hit those famous buffalo wings they are good there's no question about that <laughs> if you make the trip to buffalo and want some great wings my recommendation is a place called gabriel's gate the bengals booth podcast is brought to you by paycor more than twenty-nine thousand customers trust paycor to help them recruit pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at paycor.com. Finally, 
It's time for this week's Fun Facts interview and an episode I am sure you will enjoy. Time for a new round of Fun Facts with Bengals President Mike Brown. Mike, I think all of us were impressed by how Zach Taylor conducted himself and the compassion that he showed after DeMar Hamlin collapsed. Did you see those qualities in him from the very beginning? And is it among the reasons why you hired him? We had different reasons for hiring him. One of the reasons was that he was uh, intelligent. He's highly intelligent. He's smart. He does the right things. And uh, he's also uh, well-versed in uh, pass offense. Those were two of the critical things because we hired a young coach who hadn't had a chance to uh, lead a team or show that he could perform at a high level. We took a, a, a risk, but it certainly has paid off. He, he's a splendid coach. He's a wonderful person. And I thought it was on display to everyone in the stands and everyone that was watching uh, what went uh, down at, at the event in the Buffalo game. Honest to God, he did that stuff on his own. And uh, he took, uh, in my mind, control of the situation, put in process the solution, which was the right one, and uh, led uh, the proceeding uh, more than anybody else. And uh, there were others involved, certainly the Buffalo coach, and the players got involved. And he uh, uh, helped get them involved. And they came up with the right answer, too. And uh, uh, I give them great credit. Joe Burrow was one of those players and showed great leadership in leading the captains to the Buffalo locker room to meet with the Bills players. Joe just turned 26 last month. Do you already consider him to be one of the best leaders this franchise has had? Well, I think that's obvious. Uh, he uh, is a exemplary leader. He's conscious of how to go about maintaining his position. He does a swell job of it, and everyone in this building uh, uh, is conscious of him and his role and how he handles it. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall the first time that you and the coaches and the front office staff met with Joe at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. The old saying is you never get a second chance to make a first impression. What kind of first impression did Joe Burrow make on you that day? I remember that day for an odd reason. I I said to Joe, I was trying to make him uh, at ease. I said, Joe, you know, I used to go up to the Ohio State games and I would watch the warm-ups before the game, and I thought you really threw the ball well. I couldn't understand why they never played you. And he said, you couldn't understand. (laughs) (laughs) So he was at ease. (laughs) That's great. Many people say that a team's ideal Super Bowl window is when its quarterback is on his rookie contract. Joe was asked about that the other day, and he said, the window is my whole career. Do you agree? He's going to have a long career. Uh, We certainly want it to be here. 
and I think uh, his window will extend over his whole career. Uh, but there is the fact that uh, when you don't have to pay the quarterback some extraordinary amount, that that leaves room to pay other players more, and therefore you can keep more players that are good players. Uh, that's what people are referring to there. But the uh, Mahomes and uh, uh, others of that like, uh, they seem to make it go even after they uh, uh, have gotten their payday. We're visiting with Mike Brown. The players enjoyed victory cigars in the locker room after finishing 12-4 and four and winning the AFC North. Many of your fellow owners like to be in the middle of those post-game celebrations. You choose not to. Why? I think it's uh, their thing. And uh, uh, I have a role here, but it's uh, in some senses important and in other ways uh, uh, once the machine gets going, it runs on its own. They deserve the credit. They're doing it. I'm not doing it. Uh, I'm just sitting there watching like all the other fans are, and uh, they do it. Uh, And I don't smoke cigars. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I still smell like the cigars from last Sunday. It, It definitely lingers on your clothing. You've placed a lot of trust in Director of Player Personnel Duke Tobin. What do you admire and respect about Duke and his ability to lead your scouting department and help draft and sign players? Oh, we're very close to Duke. He's almost like a family member here. Uh, We have huge regard for him and trust in him. We talk to him uh, openly in every way, and uh, I like to think that that's returned. He he, uh, knows what he's doing. He he, uh, has a system that he's created here. We depend on it. It's a good system. It's shown that it's wor- shown that it works, and uh, he's responsible for so much of uh, what goes on here. The the player acquisition part has now been delegated to him, and he does a great job with it. Your granddaughters, Elizabeth and Caroline, have taken on significant roles and have had a big impact on the team's off-the-field success in areas like the Ring of Honor and social media content. What do you think they've added? Oh, I think they're special. Obviously, they're my granddaughters, so I need to be restrained here (laughs) and the praise I'm going to dish out. But uh, they're very bright young women. They have come in and seen some areas that could be made better. I listened to what their uh, thoughts were, and uh, whether it's the indoor facility, the Ring of Honor, or some things that uh, you will never hear about, they play a role, uh, both out front and behind the scenes. They're uh, good uh, uh, young executives, good workers, and I'm proud of them. I thought the atmosphere before the Monday night game against Buffalo was like the Olympic opening ceremonies. It was spectacular. Do you get a kick out of the ruler of the jungle ceremony and some of the other things that have been done to enhance the game day presentation? Well, that, again, is uh, one of the things uh, my granddaughters put into action. Uh, I'm uh, uh, from the old days, and uh, 
bring on the kickoff. <laughs> I'm thinking, but I agree that it makes for fun. Uh, people enjoy it. The people that participate in it especially have fun with it. Hushman's on is coming back this week, and I guess he'll be the king for a day or whatever we call this guy. But it'll be fun to have him back and have him involved. One of the newcomers on the team this year, Ted Karras, is a very engaging sort. And if I'm not mistaken, at some point this year, he noticed that you were reading on one of the team planes, and he gave you a book. Was that a first? It's a first for a player giving me a book. Uh, I uh, read it. It was a good book. And uh, I got a bunch of books that are right behind you there up on top of my bookcase that I offered to him. And he took a handful of them Ooh. with him. He's read one of them already and come back to me to say so. But he likes to read. I like to read. And when you're a reader, it's fun to talk to other people who are readers and understand or hear why they read what they read. And uh, you don't ever come across someone, or it's seldom for me that I come across someone who reads the same uh, type of book that you like. Mm. Uh, but he likes uh, history books. Uh, he's more into uh, novels than I am. But uh, it's uh, fun just uh, trading books with him uh, in part because that is a first. Mm. I've never done that with a player before. You've got a home playoff game coming up on Sunday night against Baltimore. You've attended nearly every game, home and away, in this team's 55-year history. But one game that you had to miss was last year's playoff win over the Raiders. You were under the weather at the time. How difficult was it to not be here for that game? Well, I had COVID, so I had to stay home and not uh, uh, put anyone else at risk. And so I sat in my den all alone and watched that game all by myself. <laughs> and found it a fascinating experience because you see some things on TV that you don't see in, in the stadium. And uh, it was a great game, a very exciting game. Uh, one thing I found was that uh, when uh, I'm sitting all alone like that, I might get uh, excited or emotional but since there's no one around, I don't say the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, but it was a good experience for me, and I uh, hope I get to see, as long as I'm able, uh, all our games in person. That's uh, what is best. Last thing for Mike Brown. Did last year's Super Bowl run whet your appetite to get back as soon as possible? Well, it uh, made me something of a believer. Uh, my father's phrase that uh, uh, winning makes believers of us all, it uh, instilled some confidence in me that we can do this. And let's see, maybe it'll happen again. I sure hope so. It's very exciting when you get that uh, opportunity to uh, have a long run and go to the Super Bowl. Appreciate your time as always. Best of luck on Sunday night. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it.
That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. By Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals, they're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. By Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. And by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.